This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. In verse 46, verse 46, Rise, let us be going, for behold, he is at hand that doth betray me. When he said that, rise, let us be going, he is at hand, he was saying much more than, well, Judas is coming, with those words, you let ride, let us be going. Behold, he is at hand. He's in essence saying to himself, I need to get up. I need to rise up and go because the prince of darkness with all of his forces is here now for the battle to start and I'm gonna go out to the battlefield and, and, and this, I'm gonna fight. Soon this battlefield is gonna be a battlefield stained with blood, his blood is gonna be shed in that great battle. But when he said, rise, let us go, he was was in essence saying, John 14, 31, John 14, 31, but that the world may know that I love the Father. And as the Father gave me commandment, even so I do, arise, let us go hence. So if, I'm just saying if, if he heard the cries of angels yelling out to him, why, 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 why will you, why you, so pure, so beautiful, so powerful, why are you going to this battle alone to die on the battlefield? Why are you doing that? If he had heard those cries from the angels, he would have turned to those weeping angels and said to them, John 14, 31, John 14, 31, I love the Father, and as the Father gave me commandment, even so I do, arise, let us go hence. He didn't go into the battle just hoping to win the battle, he went into that battle with a sterling confidence that even though he's gonna die in the battle, he's gonna see his opponent, his devil, beaten. He said in John 12, 31, John 12, 31, now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. But at this point in time here, his three disciples who were the closest to him and the others who were a little farther away, that was the physical situation there. His three disciples closest to him, and he's got the rest of them a little bit farther away, and then he separates himself even from those three disciples in verse 39, verse 39, he went a little further. It says he went a little further. 
and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. So he goes a little further. He separates himself. He's alone now. He's all alone. He's alone in prayer, and, 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 we, see, and, we, and we see that physical situation. Most of the disciples, the three, and now he separate himself. We see that, oh, he's Jesus Christ, the son of David. He's son of David, because just like David did when he fought the war with Goliath, at that time, Goliath appeared on the battlefield and when he did, when he, when he got up from his morning, morning nap or whatever and got there on the battlefield, all of Israel ran. They fled. They ran away. There was no, no Israelite on the battlefield when the Goliath appeared. They all ran away. But not David. David went on to that battlefield all alone. The sole Israelite on that battlefield was David. No one else was with David. And all Israel expected to see David slaughtered on that battlefield. They expected to see David, as Goliath said, I'm gonna make you bird feed. And David, all alone, with a stone and a slingshot, he kills the giant, Eliath. And he's all alone. And so now Christ, in verse 37, he goes all alone into the battlefield with that other giant, Satan, and, and he's all alone on that battlefield, and this is what he did. This is what's said about him, rather, in Isaiah 59, 16, Isaiah 59, 16. And he saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no intercessor. Therefore, his arm brought salvation unto him, and his righteousness has sustained him. For he put on righteousness as a breastplate, and a helmet of salvation upon his head, and he put on the garments of vengeance for clothing and was clothed with a zeal as a cloak. According to their deeds, according he will repay, furious to his adversaries, recompense to his enemies, and that's Christ. He's all alone on the battlefield with our enemy, it's our enemy, it's Satan, and he says in Isaiah 63.3, Isaiah 63.3, I have trodden the winepress alone. And of the people, there was none with me. You know, those three disciples, they're, 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 they're in Zeland. They're snoring away. And he's all alone. So he enters this battlefield all alone. He knew that the time had come for him to fulfill this promise that Adam and Eve heard that he was gonna fight, that his heel was gonna be mortally bruised, but in the end, he was going to mortally stomp that foot on the head of Satan. In Genesis 3.15, Genesis 3.15, I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. So the battle is starting, it's starting, and as it's starting, he is starting to bear our iniquities. And, and, it, and, and so was, this was starting now, the Father laying our sins upon him, on him. And so, therefore, this is starting his deep sorrows as, as he's becoming the one 
of 1 Peter 2.24, 1 Peter 2.24, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sins should live to righteousness. So that statement in 1 Peter 2.24, who his own self bear our sins in his own body, means that in the Garden of Gethsemane, Christ saw all of our sins. He saw all of our sins being gathered together to meet Christ. That's what he says. Now, one aspect of our sinful nature is that we're not sorry for sins. We're not sorry for sins. Sin is very sorrowful, but we shrug off sorrow by saying, oh, it's not that bad. You know, others do it too. And we walk away from the sorrow of sin. But not Christ, not Christ. When Christ bore our sins, he bore the full sorrow for our sins. And that's what made him, Isaiah 53.3, Isaiah 53.3, a man of sorrows. Proverbs 15.13 says, Proverbs 15.13 says, by sorrow of the heart, the spirit is broken. And when Christ said that his body was broken for our sins, his spirit was also broken in sorrow for our sins. And it was at this time when Christ saw all of our sins from all directions now coming together to meet on Christ, to meet on him. And it was as if now he's in court. It says now he's in court. He's standing there alone in court and all of our sins are being read out loud to him in court. And with each one, he's hearing, you are charged with this instance of murderous thoughts and that instance of your adulterous thoughts, your sexual impurities, your thievery, and on and on, each one individually, as if all of our sins individually, specifically, explicitly, were read aloud in that court of eternal justice. And after each one of our sins was read out, each, every single one of our sins, there is this one single question that's put to Jesus Christ. How do you plead? How do you plead? And then there's a silence in the court as Jesus Christ gives his answer to the question of each one of our sins. How do you plead? With a crystal clear clarity, the voice of Christ is heard, guilty as charged, guilty as charged. He pled guilty as charged to each one of our sins that we committed. He pleads guilty to our sins, and this is what it, and this is what it means when Isaiah 53.10, when Isaiah 53.10, it says, it pleased the Lord to bruise him, he's put him to grief, when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed seed, it shall prolong his days. This phrase in Isaiah 53.10, thou shalt make, when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, it reads in the Hebrew, im tasim Hashem nefsho, im tasim Hashem nefsho, which literally is when you put your guilt on his soul. That's what the Hebrew word that's translated sin, it says make his soul an offering for sin, but it's the word Hashem, and Hashem in Hebrew means guilt. And so our guilt is what Christ confessed 
when the charge was read to him and he pleaded guilty as charged. That was our guilt that he was pleading he was guilty as charged. And all of his pleadings of guilty as charged was so heavy on his soul that it says in verse 37, verse 37, it was very heavy. It was the load of all of our guilt that made him feel so heavy. And that was so heavy on him that he was not able to look up. It says in Psalm 40, verse 12, you know, that's what happens, shame and guilty. You don't sit there and say, I'm guilty as charged. No, you go, guilty as charged. You can't look. See, Psalm 40, verse 12, Psalm 40, verse 12, I am not able to look up. It's interesting in that Psalm 40, when he said that, I'm not able to look up, because that's the place where he spoke about his coming into the world and his delighting to do the will of God in Psalm 40, verse seven, Psalm 40, verse seven. So it reads, then said I, he's in heaven now, then said I, lo, I come, in the volume of book it's written of me, I delight to do thy will, O my God. Thy law is within my heart. I've preached righteousness in the great congregation. Lo, I have not refrained my lips, O Lord, thou knowest. I've not hid thy righteousness within my heart. I have declared thy faithfulness, thy salvation. I have not concealed thy loving kindness and thy truth from the great congregation. Withhold not thy tender mercies from me. O Lord, let thy loving kindness and thy truth continually preserve me, for innumerable evils have compassed me about. When iniquities have taken hold upon me, so I'm not able to look up. They are more than the hairs of my head. Therefore, my heart faileth me. So he sees all of our sins coming together to meet on him. And he says in Psalm 40, verse 12, Psalm 40, verse 12, innumerable evils have compassed me about. They're more than the hairs of my head. Therefore, my heart faileth me. He says in Psalm 22, my heart is consumed within me. It's like melted like wax. He see, why? He sees all of our sins coming together to meet on him. He also sees this huge debt that comes with the sins. He sees all the wages that have to be paid for all of our sins. Those wages had to be paid. They had to be paid by death. Romans 6.23, Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. So he gets the full bill. He says, you owe this. This is your bill for all of our sins. And that was after the sentence of, that's after he said, guilty is charged, but this is the sentence for the guilty is charged. The judge says, I now pronounce judgment on you, which is death. Because with the full bill in front of him for our sins, he has to die to pay the bill. And the payment for our sins started in this place called Gethsemane, the olive mill, where he's gonna be just like the olives, broken, crushed, and squeezed to release the fresh oil of his blood for salvation and cleansing. And this, this process of paying the bill, this what he called the hour, this process, it starts now in the Garden of Gethsemane, and it doesn't end until John 19.30, John 19.30, when Jesus therefore received the vinegar, he said, it's finished, and he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. The payment for our sins started in Gethsemane, and they lasted till he cries in John 19.30, it's finished, and when he cries out, it's finished, then the bill with all of our sins, all of our debt, 
is stamped, paid in full. And the sentence for all that he took as guilty as charged was not carried out until John 19.30 when he says it's finished. So God the Father saw how Christ endured the full sentence of death for all of our sins, the full bill. And that's when God the Father says one word, satisfied. Isaiah 53.11, Isaiah 53.11. He shall see of the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. So the sentence for all of our sins was fully carried out, and the judge says, satisfied. Christ on the cross says, finished. And then the judge looks at us, sorry, looks at Christ on the cross, he says, satisfied. And then the judge looks at us, and he brings the gavel down, and he says, justified. So it goes from finished to satisfied to justified. And we walk out free because Christ took all the guilt on him. And this is where we are now in the Garden of Gethsemane. It's all starting. And he prays and he falls to the ground and he's crying. He's crying strongly. He's crying loudly. It says it's recorded. Hebrews 5.7, Hebrews 5.7 who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong, strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death, was heard. He only asked, all he asked from the disciples is just stay awake. Just stay awake. Just an hour, just stay awake. And pray for me. And he comes back to the disciples in verse 40, verse 40, when he cometh unto the disciples, he finds them asleep. Says unto Peter, what? Peter, what? Could you not watch with me one hour? He says to them, is it, was it too much? Was it too much for you to stay awake for just an hour, only an hour? And with a real gentleness of a guiding shepherd, he said to them, look, you need to be in prayer for yourselves. Verse 41, verse 41, watch and pray that you enter not into temptations, and then he says, the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Even though he was so disappointed in the disciples for sleeping, he just added this extra word of, I understand, in verse 41, when he says, I understand, the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. It shows he knows, he understands our weaknesses because he's our special great high priest who's been touched with the feeling of what we feel, weak. Hebrews 4.15, Hebrews 4.15, for we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was all point tempted like as we are, yet without sin. So now here he is, he's seeing all the horror of what he's about to endure as a man, and he begs the Father, please, for the cup, of this judgment of all of our sins just to pass away from him. And he starts out his prayer with the very tender words of intimacy, of dependency and love. He calls God in verse, verse 42, verse 42, he went away again the second time and prayed saying, oh my father, oh my father, he calls God. If this cup may not pass away from me except I drink it, I will be done. He called God the father, Oh, my father, 
He asked him already in verse 39, verse 39, oh my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. And when he said, if it be possible, in verse 39, he meant, if God can be glorified and man can be saved somehow, some way, without me having to drink this cup of judgment for their sins, please, 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 take the cup away from me. But when he said in verse 42, verse 42, oh my father, if this cup may not pass away from me except I drink it, thy will be done, he meant if the only way for God to be glorified and man to be saved is by me drinking this cup, then I'm willing and I'm ready to drink it, all of it. And this is what it means when it says he offered himself, he offered himself in Hebrews 9.14, Hebrews 9.14, how much more shall the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God purge your conscience from dead works. So when he offered himself, he did it with, not grudging like, well, if I got to, I got to. No, he did it with delight. In Psalm 40, verse eight, Psalm 40, verse eight, I delight to do thy will, O my God. And so when he says in verse 42, verse 42, thy will be done, he's speaking about the will of God, the will of God, and he had said already about the will of God, John 5.30, John 5.30, I can of mine own self do nothing. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just, because I seek not mine own will, but the will of the Father who hath sent me. He said already in John 4.34, John 4.34, Jesus saith unto him, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. So what we see in this great prayer of his is that in verse 39, he's asking for Jesus' will to be done, let this cup pass from me. But he ends in verse 42 by submitting to the will of God and saying, thy will be done. That's the progression in the prayer from verse 39 to verse 42. Verse 39 is my will, I want my will to be done. And verse 42, I want God's will to be done. And this shows us the purpose of prayer. We think the purpose of prayer is to pull some handle and get what we want. But the purpose in prayer is to bring us full circle from wanting our own will to wanting the will of God. That's the transition from verse 39 to verse 42. It shows the purpose of prayer is to change our will. And another purpose of prayer that we see here is that Christ did not get what he wanted. Christ did not get what he asked for. He wanted in his prayer to not have to drink the cup, but he had to drink the cup. But what he did get in his prayer was one word, strength. He got strength. Because Luke twenty two forty three, Luke twenty two forty three, there appeared an angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him. And this is the real answer to our prayers. The real answer to our prayers is not that we get what we're asking for, but that we get strength to endure. And that's the real answer to prayer as told to us in Psalm 138.3, Psalm 138.3. In the day when I cried, thou answerest me 
and strengthenest me with strength in my soul. The real answer to prayer, to his prayer here, is that Psalm 138.3, Psalm 138.3. Thou answerest me and strengthenest me with strength in my soul. That was the answer to Christ's prayer in these verses, 39 to 42. He got strength. Let's pray. Father, our wonderful Savior, our Savior really is wonderful. And because of what we see and have come to understand more, we increase our worship. We increase our love to him now. In Jesus' name, amen. Tom Cantor's messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. For other free resources, email us at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. Join our live services on YouTube by searching Friendship with God with Tom Cantor every Sunday at 5.30 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.